My name is Charlene Chanel Feto, and you're tuned in to the Intersection of Being and Becoming, a Black Girl Digital Podcast. Welcome to the Intersection of Being and Becoming, a Black Girl Digital Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discover together the intimate journey of being an influencer while becoming your best self and building a successful brand. Here's your host, LaToya Shambeau. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Intersection of Being and Becoming a Black Girl Digital Podcast, where each season we drop 10 episodes connecting you with leading Black community builders in the influencer space. Throughout this conversation, we hope you walk away with more insight on how to build and sustain a thriving community as well as personal brand. As you listen to the podcast, perhaps you'll think, how much would you love to hear from your favorite black and brown creators. Well, so would I. So please send me a tweet, connect with me on LinkedIn or shoot me a DM and let me know who your favorite influencers are. And I'll try my very best to get them on the show. I do this podcast not only for me, but for all of you listeners, either looking to grow your platform, build community, or simply keep up with the Black community of influencers building their communities, brands, and becoming their best selves. I'm the founder of Black Girl Digital, a premium influencer marketing agency, where we broker brand partnerships between major brands and Black creators at scale. To learn more about what we do, check us out at www.blackgirldigital.com for more information. All right. Enough with the intros. Let's get to the show. On this episode, we're connecting with a beautiful Boston lifestyle content creator, Chardeline. Chardeline has built her community to over 55,000 followers on Instagram, 63,000 followers on Facebook, and 17,000 followers on Pinterest. She covers content from plus models and style to mental health. I can't wait to learn more. Let's jump in. I just heart you so much. Oh my gosh. Our favorite influencer from Boston. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. It's beautiful out. It's that nice calm between the summer and the fall. So I'm here for that. I'm done sweating. (laughs) (laughs) When I was in Boston, the weather was really situational. I think it was, it was hot and then it, it was rainy. Yeah, it's pretty moody like everyone out here. Oh, well. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let's get right into it. So let's talk about Instagram and how you really built up a following 55,000 followers. I mean, I struggled to get to 6,000. I, I, please give me all the tea. <laughs> I think a big, big, and I I was talking to someone about this last night at a Haitian benefit dinner. He asked me the question, how is it that you can just get up and be so transparent with people you've never met? And I was like, well, I couldn't be that with my family. They were often like, you know, it's a Caribbean family. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's only so much transparency that you could be there. However, I don't know why 
social media seemed like the appropriate place for me to do that. Mm-hmm. Completely bypass my family who will eventually hear from the people at their church to hear that. Did you know your daughter's saying <laughs> X, Y, Z? So I found it just so easy for me to open up to people because I realized other people were sharing their stories, mm-hmm. whether they were talking about mental health awareness, whether they were talking about losing weight or or just even trying to discover who they are through fashion and, mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. I realized that it was a really good platform to do that. And I think just my transparency and just being a genuine person started to help bring more people my way. I never really started it off as you are about to be like this big marketing person. And I didn't even think about money. It truly was a diary. I was updating people on what I was eating. I was updating people on like, you know, boyfriend issues, things of that nature. It was very much just conversations. And then as a plus size woman, I started to notice a lot more plus size people just showing how they were dressing. And while I didn't say, oh, well, you know, you're the best dresser out there. You should do that too. I was just like, oh, this could be something fun because I didn't really have a personal style that I could attribute to myself. I just knew there were so many options. So, you know, I'd go to Rainbows, I would go to Marshalls, I'd go to TJ Maxx and, you know, try to figure out some things here and there. But honestly, it was upon finding plus size women online, really just killing it. I was like, just do it. Like, you know, you know, they're telling you where to get the stuff, get the stuff and do what you got to do. So it went from a, a place of just honest conversations with people across the world who had some of the same issues that I had, had some of the same connectivity. They, we, we were just able to bond in that way. And the followers start to come in. Um, I think it started to skyrocket when I turned it into a business. When I started to say, all right, well, it looks like you have a lot of um, attraction here. There's a lot of people who are noticing you. So let's take better quality pictures. Let's incorporate some video. Let's put a little bit more strategy into this, but continuing to be the authentic person that you've been. So don't allow your voice to kind of be muddled in the, the deliverables, as I used to say. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. We thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So um, before we jump into the business and, and, you know, you really focusing and realizing that this is a business and you could survive on this. Let's unpack a little bit more on the family side, right? (laughs) So you mentioned that social media was a place for you to, you know, be transparent and talk about all the things that you couldn't discuss with their family. But obviously, yes, they're going to discover what's happening and what's being said and, and how you're portraying yourself. Do you feel like when things started to evolve and grow and, and people started taking notice and word got back to your family that they were still resistant or hesitant, or there was pushback or was there questions like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? And, and then how did you deal with that going forward? Funny, because my family knew me to be a quiet girl. It's kind of just, um, I would smile, laugh, hang out, but like I was quiet for most of the time. So when the questions this start to come in, like, oh, this is what you do online, or this is what you're talking about. I'm like, yeah, it is. And I started to build up like this defensive skin. It started to be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know Charlene talk or let alone speak enough for herself. So when people would 
trigger me or touch specific buttons, specifically my family, because let's face it, your family knows how to do that more than anyone else. Um, it would be automatic listen. And this is how you're going to have to treat me from here. Like whatever it is. So even if they're just like, I can't believe you did that. Uh, you know, I'm not the, the shady person. So like, and I can't believe you're on your ninth husband. Like I'm not that person. I won't do that. Trust me. But like, there will be a kind reminder that you're going to have to talk to me a certain way from here on out. I did not have that voice then. I was able to build a community, a tribe of people who helped me find that voice. And, you know, I'd be damned if it would be people who I didn't feel supported me my entire life. That's going to take that away from me. I think this is a part of my journey. Mm -hmm. I feel like being where I am now was supposed to happen and more from a mental health point of view, or even a a self-discovery point of view, bigger than blood, bigger than like, you know, what family can hinder you from doing. So um, now it's more like, even with my mother, you know, we would talk about things. We never talked about sex, boys, none none of that stuff. But now it's more so like if I say something and do something, she's like, yep, that's my daughter. Like that's pretty much. And I'm standing by her. Yeah, pretty much. She's going to stand by me. Because she understands like at least I'm in a place of peace and making better decisions. Mm -hmm. And at least she knows the decisions that I'm making because I can be forthcoming about what's happening versus Mm -hmm hiding and crying and not, and she not knowing what was going on in life. Right. No, I completely understand. It's fine. I'm, I'm Jamaican. So the Caribbean household, I understand is speaking when you're spoken to, I honestly don't even remember having a conversation with my parents, like sitting down, you know how you watch TV and the Cosby shows and you see that they're having these long drawn out wisdom, you know, well, if if that happened to you today, well, maybe you should try to do this. And I do not remember having any of those conversations. So boys and the day of the conversation of you lost your virginity. Listen, let me tell you. (laughs) It kind of just like my mother just kind of found out. I think like I had a a pregnancy termination and a something came to the house, maybe a bill or something. And she was just like, and she saw that I was like real depressed lately. And it was because of that. And instead of her, she, I think she's had the letter for like a good two weeks. And she was like, instead of her coming to talk to me, she's like, because of that termination you had. And I was like, yo, if you don't get up out of my face. And that's how that conversation happened. It's very unorthodox in a Haitian house, but it was also just the way I was just telling my mother, listen, like, this is just life. This is how conversations are going to be. You may not have had them, but this is how they're going to be. And they'll only get better once you take me for being an adult, mm-hmm. take me for someone who has to make their own mistakes, like, you know, who has to learn from their own decisions. And um, that's been very helpful. My father has been just like, all right, whatever you say. Like, he's really just like, I don't know, like, I don't want to push your buttons, but whatever you say. It's like the role, the roles of fear have, have reversed, you know, like (laughs) we were so afraid of our parents growing up and now they're so afraid of losing us as adults. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, I feel like they value our friendship a little bit more. And, and so they offer up a little bit more respect, a little bit more space. And, and then it's still that, that hesitancy of, well, you know what, if that, if that's what she wants to do, that's. Yeah. I mean, I think my mother, you know, she she's very in tune with understanding. She had me at 25. My grandmother, her had her at 25. I'm about to be 33. So she's like, she's a whole adult. Like at this point, she's someone who could be someone's mother twice over, like, you know, three times over. She's, she's working, she's supporting herself at this point. Like there's only so much, of course, there's 
things they can't let go of. Mm-hmm. But like, they're their baby. It is what it is. So I mean, now- I find myself getting worried about her if she comes home late. So I get it. <laughs> right. That's sweet. I, I can appreciate that, you know, and with with because we're so engulfed in social media, it is our life. It is our day to day. What are the boundaries that you do set, you know, for yourself and, you know, for your community um, when you're when you're thinking about what content is going to look like going forward? You know, because there, there, there has to be or is there even a level of something that, you know what, I'm keeping this to myself? For the most part, the things that I keep to myself are like relationships like relationships that I've had with people mostly because I was in a relationship before with someone who else was an influencer and he was someone who I publicized for a bit and then another influencer kind of just slid in his DM and then it became a whole mess so um I used to like lean on my influencer community you know I would talk to Lisa I talked to different people and they said that's very common like it's and it sucks for the ones who are married because you know they're married they know their place. They know they, they, they even get a lot of money off of doing like family lifestyle type of deals. But like there will be times where they will tag their significant other. And then there's just a slew of people who, who I don't, I don't understand the, their trajectory and doing so, but they will try to talk to them. So while I don't see that as a big loss, like if he decided to engage with her, that was probably something that needed to happen so that I can leave. I also just feel like relationships are often judged harshly and just like, I mean, you see how it is with actual celebrities, like people who have millions of followers. I have like even a microcosm of that and people just want to know, or when I do the get to know me type of like, Hey, ask me a question today. A lot of them are about relationships and who you're dating and what happens to that guy. And are you still friends with this person? So I try to keep my relationships, uh, whether they be like romantic, platonic, I try to keep them just, here's a picture of the person, best friend, or you don't know who this person is and just keep it moving from there because I know that could be touchy having to deal with an actual budding relationship and, um, and growing it while having other people wanting to weigh in or saying, I know this person from X, Y, and Z. And that's also a Boston thing. Like things are so small. So there's a good chance they do know them and know their past. And there's a good chance they know me and know my past. And I wouldn't want people to weigh in on any of that. I'd rather keep that out of the eye outside of that. Like I'll talk about health. I'll talk, I mean, I own up to everything in my life. So if I'm able to share it, it's because I've been very comfortable to talk about it. There's been experiences where I had to process it first before I can actually talk to my audience about it. And I don't feel the need to talk about anything, but if I do see that it can help someone, or if I do see that, you know, having this conversation might help someone else have this conversation with someone else, then that's just like, it's easy for me to do so because I've already went through the process of untangling it, owning up to it and understanding that it's a learning lesson or it could be a learning lesson for someone else. Awesome. I love that. I think boundaries are important, you know, but if you are willing to share and showcase as much as you feel comfortable, more power to you. I think that what makes all of you guys so special is that 
you have the audacity, like, you, <laughs> and you know, people, will, you'll hear me say it throughout the show, you know, like it is what truly makes you all successful in addition to yes, the other things, but you first have to have the audacity to show up and show out no matter what anyone thinks, says, or tries to make you feel like it is, it is a hard thing for people to comprehend. And you'll, well, you know, we'll hear, well, I'm not an influencer. Well, I don't want to, you don't have to be an influencer to have the audacity, you know, like you just show up how you want to show up and live and stand in that. So I appreciate that, um, you know, from you now, what does your community really lean on you for in, in the content that you create? Well, my, audience knows when like I don't do a lot of lip service I've never made it a point to collaborate with a brand that that will give me a whole bunch of money if it didn't really like mean something to me so they do understand that no matter what I talk about it is of value it's not something I'm doing for a check it's not something I'm doing because uh, 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 or whatever it's because I really do feel like there's someone who could benefit from it if I have not already been benefiting from it. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I think that as of late, a lot of people have been leaning in on my mental health and fitness and how I either put that together or even separated. It. it all depends on where they are in their journey. That's how they receive it. Mm-hmm. But um, I started talking about being a runner lately and just really talking about running is something beyond like losing weight. Running is something that I've always wanted to do. I actually have this uh, collaboration that's going to come out next week with um, Strava, which is like a really dope running app that has millions of followers. And, you know, last time I saw them showcase a plus size woman on there, she was torn to shreds. She was a black woman at that. And oftentimes I understand not just the place that she's in, but the story in which I'm telling with Strava is how I started running. It was Mm -hmm me and my friend Stevana, we started, I was like, Hey, I want to go run at this gym. Would you like to come? And she's like, yeah, sure. We start running, we're running in circles. And then around the third lap, these guys start to laugh at us, or at least we hear them laughing around the fourth or fifth lap. They're definitely laughing at us because they're laughing when we come by them. Then I want to say, you know, we took a break to walk a little bit, then we picked it back up. And then when we came back around, they started to mimic earthquakes like every time we came that's not the truth no way if if you were to have savannah next to me right now and i'm like tell him the story she'd be able to say it exactly verbatim the way it was um so from there i just remember you know running one more lap and i'm like you i'm never running in public ever again and i you know keep thinking to myself is it because i'm a bigger girl I'm like super not, I wouldn't say just not fit, but I don't look like your average runner. I don't look like someone who should be running or if anything. Um, and then I quit running. Savannah still won't run to this day. I think we went to the track one time and we went all the way at 9 PM because no one would be there and there'd be lights, but no one would be there. And, you know, we just went around the way and now we carry like this, I wouldn't say I carry it anymore because then I joined a running team where it was made up of a lot of people, different body size. They were comforting and supportive. Just at this point, I just only see myself as my competition. I saw a lady from church. She saw me running. She's like, were you like running like for no reason in the rain the other day? And I was like, what do you mind? What do you mean? She's like, running outside. 
super freely what was going on. I was like, Oh, I was running. She's like, for what? My health. She's like, for your what? So, um, and I get it. Like you probably, it was a brainstorm. Nonetheless, when I share these experiences with my audience, some of them talk about their experiences with gym phobia. Mm -hmm. Some of them talk about their experiences with, I want to run. Like, I think I put it 11, nothing perfectly curated. It was just me breathing super hard, running on the track. And I was like, I want to be a runner. This is how I'm going to be a runner. I don't know how this is going to go, but this is what I'm going to do. So it started off with me just taking those, those strides and people were commenting like, I really want to run too. Oh my gosh, God bless your heart. How is it that you started running? Oh, I can't run outside. And the DMs came, the people who were like afraid to talk about them wanting to run too. They're like, can you please let me know what the best sneakers are? What's the best way to do this? I want to, you know, hearing people really leaning in on my, my running front meant a lot because it wasn't even something that I really cared to make a thing out of. When Strava saw me running, it wasn't because I pitched them. They're just like, yo, we see that you're out here. You're running like you're using the app. How is it working for you? And then I just became one of the seven athletes um, across the world that they're going to feature for this campaign. So congratulations. Thank you. Blessings all around. But just like knowing that my story can help someone else just want to get up and do something different for themselves. A story that was once shrouded in fear now it's going to be shrouded in victory and I I am no longer really afraid to run in my neighborhood like I ran in my neighborhood that's like a really judgy place to run because they also see when you walk in the house they pretty much see everything they this neighborhood's pretty old so they remember me from when I was a baby yeah when I think about what my audience likes I definitely understand them and see them gravitating towards just my stories of triumph and and not so much just, oh, look what you're wearing today. I mean, I may get the, where can I get a bra for, a, I don't know, Triple H or where do you get supportive garments or something? But truly when it comes to it, it's, it's those shared experience experiences or the experiences that they would like to share with me. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I commend you. I, I mean, I don't, people are so rude, like just rude. <laughs> I actually love seeing people run and walk in my neighborhood. It's so inspiring. Gosh, I, I need to, let me go outside and do something. <laughs> right now, only white people run in my neighborhood. So like, I don't, and they're white people I've never seen before. People are moving in, but I was like, this neighborhood has always existed. And the only people who may feel comfortable or run in this neighborhood are people who don't look like me. Mm. So naturally, I would think I had to go somewhere else to do it. Interesting. Well, I am glad you are moving forward, moving onward and inspiring your community in that regard. That is beautiful. All right. So how do you communicate and connect with your audience? Right. So obviously, yes, you're posting and perhaps commenting, but are you how are you curating experiences for them, you know, uh, offline or in your stories and things like that so that they feel like they're getting a little bit more of you? So my stories is really the place where people get to know me. And sometimes it's not even just through me saying, hey, what's up? What's going on? Sometimes it's a meme. Sometimes it's a, me sharing a mental health quote, me sharing something else online and beginning a conversation that way. Because it's almost like a journal prompt for the day. You find something, people connect, and then you continue building off of that. So I continue to find things that are within the realm of whatever it is that I posted. So. You know, I, I talked a little bit about abortion earlier and just like what's happening in Texas. And the couple people who have responded to me were like, yo, I live out here. 
And I was like, yeah, I was actually looking to move to Dallas. I really enjoy Dallas. Not so much like I guess Texas as a whole, but mm-hmm. it's somewhere I would want to live. And then the questions could then become from there, hey, where are some top states you would want to move to? So I continue to keep a narrative happening because not only am I connecting with them in a not so like performative way, mm-hmm. but I'm also genuinely looking for what can I talk about, not just tomorrow, but what type of strategic partnerships can I make that would benefit my audience? So if they're talking a lot about like, you know, I was talking to someone about she is in the place of family planning because she's lost like three babies and stuff like that. And it's pretty tough. One of them, she, they said that would have like issues, but like issues around six months or something of that nature. And as the conversation started to unfold, she was just like, I couldn't believe like what it would be like to live in Texas. Or, you know, I didn't really even hear the term family planning until I was in my thirties. And this is stuff I wish I knew. And right then and there, I was just like, Charlene, you were at the gynecologist like three days ago. You're actually talking about this stuff while you're not um, you know, seeing someone in a space where you can start family planning, why don't you talk about that? Like there's someone else who did not know that, you know, starting in your thirties, you want to start paying attention to your lifestyle. Like, you know, I brought my first ovulation predictor. Um, my doctor's like, you can start taking prenatals now because the average woman, you know, post a certain age takes about 12 months, uh, 12 months to get pregnant or something of that nature. So not that this is like something that's gung, like in my gunning and I'm like looking to do it, I'm like, these are conversations that people probably are having or probably don't know how to talk about it because of fear, embarrassment, or just may not having access to great health insurance to see a gynecologist. And in that term, you know, I will bring up this conversation tomorrow. I'll see how that starts to, what type of friction that may have, and then move forward with maybe reaching out to a lot of the modern fertility people and stuff like that to curate some sort of partnership so that people could start taking advantage of that wherever they're at, if they would like to. So um, that's kind of how I connect with them, keep the business side, but like really respond to what I believe some of their needs are. That's awesome. Good for you. Love that. And now at what point did you kind of wake up and you were like, oh my God, this is a whole business like this is this can really be my jam and I'm I'm gonna take it serious like what was that day like for you and did you communicate it to your to your audience like hey you know I'm gonna start doing these brand partnerships yada yada or it was just like boom here's a here's a paid deal buy something (laughs) I had received a couple paid deals nothing to over 500 400 dollars it was something like I was getting all of those from some brands. And then I did a billboard campaign with a brand um, loft in New York. And um, they were like, all right, so we're going to fly you out, keep you in this hotel. You're going to be shooting for like X amount of hours. It sounded so good. You'll be at Ripley Studios. I'm like, that sounds great. They're like, how much would you charge? I'm like, all right, like 500. And they were like, you know, it's going to be a billboard in Times Square. Um, it's going to be like pretty big. And I was like, okay, like 600 big, like, cause I work for the city. So I have a whole job. I'm never thinking about the money parts. And I didn't have a lot of friends in the industry. I think I had like one or two, but I like them as friends. So I try not to talk to them about that stuff because I've seen where, um, like 
influencer and influencer relationships get real weird once you bring in money and, oh, you're working with so-and-so. So I, the ones I had, I cherished those friendships, you know, even for that, you know, that engagement I had invited one of them out. I'm like, yeah, steak, everything, order whatever you want. It's all on them. Eat out this entire hotel. Let's go. I was never thinking about like money, you know, in full transparency, the girl's just like, all right, Charlene, I really, really like you. I mean, but at least come up to 2,500 at least. And I'm like, at least 2,500 for what? So even when I got there, I'm like, I still got 2,500 for one day to do this. Right then and there, I'm just like, Charlene, it's, it's a whole business. It's a whole business. Even like not too long ago before that, there was this woman who worked for another brand. I still work with the brand very closely. And they had charged me $800 for, um, it was like normal deliverables. It's like in, in store hosting, put up two posts, whatever. I was like, 800, it's fine. I'm like, where? That's 800 I like, play with. Accidentally, they sent me the contract for another blogger who she maybe had about 10K followers. She's definitely like up there, but she charged 4,750 for the same exact thing that I was doing. And it was in her contract. And I was just like, and she doesn't, and it was a workout thing. I'm like, that lady doesn't even work out like at all. I mean, while you don't, you know, I get everything the numbers and followers game. I just know what I saw and I couldn't unsee that. You could not I unsee could that. Not unsee that. So uh, I had management for a little bit, but the management um, was not responding to the needs of this black plus size woman. Like I think it just was not, it wasn't, it wasn't a vibe. So I ended up leaving them, but they did teach me some of the tricks, the trades. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I still feel like I undervalue myself. However, I know that there's definitely like a minimum. And I know that also it's not just about you have followers charge $5,000. It's about like, what is your creativity? Like what type of conversations are you having with your audience? How are you making sure that they are, besides just saying you'll get exposure, like what does the brand get when they get you? And it can't just be, here's another picture. It can't just be, here's another post because they're getting that already. And we're already seeing that that only goes so far, even on me. I'm still a consumer. I still look at other influencers and stuff, but there are times I'm just like, this is, not inspiring or I don't see myself drawn to buy or drawn to invest or drawn to even care about whatever they're talking about. So I kind of like wrestle between like, should you still be charging or even charging more if you don't feel like your creativity or your ideas or execution are just there? So I'm still in that space of like, you know, trying to build a team that can strategize with me and do the management and all that stuff, but also understand how to market me, how to navigate, you know, this industry and talking to brands and stuff of that nature. But for the most part, it had to be that moment where some, I saw someone's contract of another black woman who I love dope girl. And then I also had someone on the opposite end saying, listen, you need to come up because then the management company I did end up going with at that time, there was two other girls who were represented in that same management company and they got paid 10 grand for that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Those are like normal numbers. Those okay. are very normal numbers apparently in this industry. So what does success look like for you? I mean, success for me has always, and this is like the same exact question that was how they ended the Strava thing. 
because, you know, it's like, what do you see as failure and what do you see as success? And I'm just like, yeah, I understood what failure was completely, but like, it also made sense for as far as success is. As long as I'm not letting go, as long as I have not quit, as long as I'm continuing to work towards a specific mark, you're already on the path to being the most successful that you can be. I think that we often shorten our successes or just see success as I'm successful because I, you know, graduated college and got the job. Like I used to think that was success, not understanding that I had so much more in life <laughs> that I had to accomplish that this one job at the mayor's office is not going to sustain me, was not going to fulfill me and was not going to be my be all end all. So my true understanding of success now is that I'm actively looking within the city planning agencies, within just my, even my own community online, I'm actively looking for different ways to, to push myself forward. The fact that I can bring others with me or inspire others or be able to tell a story that's so authentic is like even a bonus. Like that truly is a good measure of success because it's not that you're just doing a self-serving thing. There's other people who will benefit from it. So while success is not like this one point in a place or you've done one action, I think it's a, a continual thing that you grow towards. Awesome. Well, thank you, Charlene, so much for your time here on the intersection of being and becoming. We really enjoyed hearing from you. Do you have any final words for the audience? No, I actually now get why it's called the intersection of being and becoming. Uh The the way in which you ask the question, it really is that intersection and, and looking at it actually it's giving me that more of that journal prompt to kind of look at. So I'm mm-hmm. here for it. Thank you for that. This has been more uh, helpful than not. <laughs> very, very helpful. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. The, the, the purpose is really to understand like we're. it's like, imagine you're on the road and you're, you see the stop sign and this you're, you're on the road of, Uh, being and you're like four cars behind and you need to make the right to becoming Mm -hmm. and you're like honking and like what's the hold up like what is a hold up sometimes you might feel stuck sometimes you feel like you're about to move but nothing is happening and honestly it's relax like it's a red light it's not even a stop sign it's a red light yep like let's calm down you're gonna get to where you're supposed to get (laughs) relax um, you know, my, my thing is be patient with the process, right? Yeah. That's a big <laughs> word. Big word. Patience is a big word. <laughs> big word. Awesome. If you're a newbie influencer listening in for the first time, I'd love to leave you with a few words of encouragement. It's truly not about being an influencer. It's about becoming your best self as a person with influence and impact, serving your purpose and showing up for your tribe. If you build your business model around that, the bag will follow, (laughs) I promise. And if you are a fellow marketer here, just looking to learn more about the Black influencer and the communities that support them, I do hope we served you well. Thanks for joining us this week on The Intersection of Being and Becoming, a Black Girl Digital Podcast. If you like what you just heard and found the info helpful, we hope you'll pass along our podcast to your friends and colleagues. 
and please leave us a positive review on iTunes. While you're at it, if you or a brand you know is in need of influencer marketing services, please pass along our website, www.blackgirldigital.com. That would help us out too.